Many of you will remember that this is what last Easter looked like in Goss Memorial Church. We were still live streaming in the office. You can see I changed my clothes. Okay. I was glad I saw that picture because I was kind of thinking light blue. I'm, nah, I'm going to go purple this year. But we were in the office. We were hoping the Wi-Fi was going to be good enough. It was all a little spotty. And then we started recording everything uh, for the weeks that were remaining until we started gathering again. Uh, so that was last year. feels a little bit different this year, doesn't it? I'm so glad for that. I've been so excited for this day. Uh, my emotions have been stirring really all week. Uh, I hope yours have too. I hope you are excited and encouraged to uh, have a celebration of the resurrection today. I know many, uh, many believers have uh, missed being together, and today is a, uh, a great day. Uh, I'm excited to be with you celebrating uh, the resurrection. Uh, our title for today, we're going to look at uh, how God is glorified, and as always, God will be glorified the way God will be glorified. It's, it's his glory. Uh, it, is, it is his way. And I want to tap uh, it very quickly into a little bit of the unknown. Our character in our passage this morning is uh, somebody who's known as Mary Magdalene. This is not Mary, the mother of Jesus. It's a different Mary. I won't go too far back into her, her history, but she is uh, at the tomb, and she is weeping, and, and there is unknown, and she's very upset. The body of Jesus is not there and she is wondering what is going on, and she's trying to interact with this reality. But really what's happening is it's a powerful picture of God's work. There's an empty tomb. There's no body to be found. Uh, they thought there was a, a body uh, that would, you, normally you would go to a tomb, and you would think there's going to be a body there, uh, and, and there wasn't. Uh, there, there, there were, instead, there were angels that were communicating God's truth. And uh, the detail that they, they show you with the angels is there are two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. This uh, always makes my mind rattle a little bit, and it takes me back to Exodus 25, where we see the mercy seat. If you don't have any idea what this is, just know that this is a way that God is communicating. Okay, uh, The Ark of the Covenant was uh, an amazing item in the temple. At this point, the tabernacle was located later in the temple as the people of God worshipped. And look here, it says, you shall make a mercy seat. This is what went on, the Ark of the Covenant. Two cubits and a half shall be its length, a cubit and a half its breadth. And you shall make two cherubim, those are angels of gold, of hammered work you shall make on the two ends of the mercy seat. So there is an angel at one end, an angel at the other end, and exactly how we see it on resurrection morning. There's an angel at one end where Jesus' body laid and another angel where another, and God is communicating. In the Old Testament, through the Ark of the Covenant, through worship, God communicated. He communicated mercy to his people. And boy, would we receive the mercy of the resurrection to see those angels there proclaiming God's truth. Now, if, you, if you're not sure about Christianity, if you're not sure about Jesus and you're hearing about the empty tomb today or maybe you've considered a little bit or maybe it's your first time, you might have some questions about whether or not this is real. And if you do believe, maybe you have questions about what God is doing in a specific season in your life or in, even right now in this moment, you have some questions. You say, God, I'm not really sure what you're doing. And, and I want to, to show you this morning that God presents truth in a way that helps us when we come in confusion and questioning. 
The one part that I've missed the most about this morning is that normally uh, at 8.30, our youth will do a service. And we decided against that this year just because of length of time, uh, not because our youth are not capable. We know they are, and we're about to find out that they're capable. They have made a video for us, and we're going to use this. And I want you to see this video uh, because it answers questions about the resurrection, and it's designed to challenge our mind. We'll see a little bit in the last couple points how God interacts with us personally, but look here at how the resurrection challenges our mind. Uh, this is a video that our youth have made and wanted to share with you this morning. Jesus appeared to his 12 apostles after his resurrection and to 500 believers as well. The crucifixion of Jesus is a historical fact. Jesus' crucifixion is well documented by first-hand testimonies in the Gospels, but the event is also documented outside of the Bible. Tacitus wrote about Jesus' crucifixion, and Jewish historian Josephus wrote about Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. resurrection changed the world. Think about this. BC stands for before Christ and AD stands for Anno Domini, which means in the year of our Lord. So the international system we use to keep track of time is centered around the person of Jesus. That's no accident. Apostles were willing to suffer and die for their belief in the resurrection. They transformed from a bunch of cowards who scattered when Jesus died to evangelists who were willing to suffer and die for their belief. 
Peter was crucified, Paul was beheaded, and James, the brother of Jesus, was stoned to death for their belief in the resurrection. Jesus' appearance to Paul is a massive proof of the resurrection. The appearance was so life-changing for Paul that he was transformed from a person who was trying to end Christianity to one of the most important leaders in the early church. He also wrote much of the New Testament because of his encounter with the risen Savior. one of the best evidences of the resurrection. The tomb was guarded by Roman soldiers and was covered by a stone that weighed thousands of pounds, but Jesus' body was nowhere to be found. The tomb where soldiers watched in vain was borrowed for three days. His body women were the first to see the empty tomb and Mary Magdalene was the first to see the resurrected Jesus. of the resurrection, but some of the most powerful evidence may be the changed lives we see in believers all over the world. People who were enemies of God and dead in their trespasses and sins have been transformed into new creations. This can only be explained by the resurrection. I believe in the resurrection. And that's why I believe in the resurrection. And that's why I believe in the resurrection. And that is why I believe in the resurrection. And that's why I believe in the resurrection. That's why I believe in the resurrection. That is why I believe in the resurrection. And that's why I believe. That's why I believe.
applause for our youth. to get him a round of applause because I used to make those videos. I know what goes into that. <laughs> if you haven't met Caleb Nichols, our new youth director, doing a wonderful job. Uh, looking forward to how God is going to work in our youth ministry uh, moving forward. Uh, for today, we want to let that sit. We want to know that God uh, speaks to us and our minds. And even though we may have questions and, and, and wonder what's going on, that he, he does give answers and there are facts behind what we believe. Now, uh, moving forward, he didn't just take Mary Magdalene to class, say, hey, you need to get some textbooks about this deep, and let's start learning all this. Uh, he is going to connect with her, as we see, in a very uh, powerful way, all right? So we find out that we all have uh, questions, and we also see uh, in this story that God will make himself known. You may... Be like me, uh, it is sometimes difficult to talk with folks who are uh, emotional in a situation or something that has happened. Uh, I'm never certain what to say or what not to say. I'm always asking for the Holy Spirit to lead. And if you can identify that, you can identify with Jesus and his approach to Mary, who is, uh, who is very emotional and she is uh, upset about uh, what is going on. And so uh, he takes uh, this situation and he, he wants to uh, make himself uh, known to her. And what she does, as we find out in verse 14, uh, he, he, uh, having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Now, catch verse 15. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And it says, supposing him to be the gardener. She said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. She is supposing that he is the gardener. She is still not on to the fact that this is Jesus and that the guy that used to be in that tomb is the guy that is talking to her. Now, this is also really incredible because uh, when we read the rest of the gospel stories, we find out that Jesus predicted on a number of occasions not only that he would be killed, but that he would rise from the dead on the third day. And so we might think, oh, well, they were just blind to reality. These disciples should have known a little bit better. There shouldn't have been near this confusion because he told them what was going to happen ahead of time. I am, however, willing to cut the disciples slack because they weren't used to people getting out of the tomb. They were not experts, and I think it's unfair to cast that expectation on them. What we want to see this morning, and maybe where this speaks most to you, is that often throughout Scripture, God is doing things and people are unaware. One of my favorite looks at this comes back in the story of the Exodus. The people of God had been enslaved in Egypt and they wanted out. They wanted to go to their own land. They wanted to worship God. And God had brought 10 massive plagues on the land of Egypt. And finally, Pharaoh said, you can go, get out of here. Enough death, enough destruction. And so he lets them go, and, and they begin this journey, and they leave Egypt. And, and the short story is they find themselves backed up against a body of water we know as the Red Sea. And in that moment, the, the army of the Egyptians is coming after them because Pharaoh changed his mind and sent the army to go get them. Hey, we can't deal without these people. They're they're great labor source. And so the army's coming after them. And what do they do? They lash out. Even though they've seen these ten plagues that took weeks and weeks to develop and clean up and everything, 
they lash out at Moses and say, why did you bring us out here into the wilderness? Aren't there enough graves in Egypt? We could have died there. You bring us out here to die, and they lash out. They, and here's the point. They have absolutely no idea what God is going to do. And what he's about to do is split the water so they can walk through it on dry ground and then be victorious over the Egyptian army. Perhaps over this past year, you've waited for God to reveal the why. Why all the division? Why the pandemic, the suffering? And you've wanted him to make himself known to you. Perhaps it's been longer than the past year. Maybe there's this event way back, a decade or a couple of decades back, and you scratch your head and you still wonder, God, why? And that question lingers with you. This is part of my testimony so far in 2021. Some of this is personal. Uh, this spring marks about 30 years that I've been a believer in Jesus Christ. And I want to let you know that even though that's the case, still God still walks us through very difficult times and seasons. Tragic losses affect me, and they have piled up in my life and my contacts throughout the beginning of this year in a way that has been very difficult. A lot of loss as 2021 has gotten underway. COVID deaths, struggles of friends, tragic loss of children, and violence. If you say you want God to reveal himself, if you're there in that moment in your life and you're coming into this Easter Sunday and you say, Lord, I want you to reveal yourself, I get it. I do too. I want to know him more personally. I want to rely on him for those answers that I know I'll never have. But because he hasn't fixed it and made everything right doesn't mean he's just kind of hanging out as some weird gardener that we're trying to talk to and figure out. I want you to look at how he eventually addresses her. He starts in verse 15 and says, woman, why are you weeping? And then she gives him the whole bit about, hey, if you've taken him away, tell me where he is. I'll take him. And verse 16, look at how he addresses her. He calls her by her name. Jesus said to her, Mary, this is God. This is his way. Doing things that humans can't figure out. I want to repeat what I've said before. If God does everything you think, exactly the way you think he should all of the time, you're not worshiping the God of the Bible, you're worshiping a God that you've made up. What we see here is the God of the Bible understanding the grief, the questions, the confusion, even the irrational. Like really, what is she going to do with a body? Where is she going to take it? How is she going to move it? Like she's, she's still in a spot where she doesn't even know, and God is working with it, and he's going to connect with her personally. And he calls her by name and draws her into this glorious reality that he is no longer in the tomb and that he is alive. It is always God's glory and it is always God's way. We're going to end today by focusing on her character. We get to be involved in this, in this story. What we find out as 17 goes on, it says, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. That was going to happen. He would ascend into heaven, which he did. But at that point, here's what he told her. Go to my brothers, not just his biological brothers, but he's calling the family of disciples brothers. There's a, a family uh, sense in which we understand our relationship as fellow believers. Okay? And Jesus says, go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and to your Father 
to my God and your God. We find out that Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord, and that he has said these things to her. We find out in Luke chapter 8 that Mary Magdalene is somebody that Jesus cast seven demons out of her life. It's true. Back in the Bible, uh, demons and spiritual warfare was very, very manifest in a way that in our culture in the West, we don't really encounter as much as they did back then. If you go to different places in the world, this kind of thing is still very, very prevalent. I want you to think about her character, that she is not a likely character to be used by God. Because you know what? Maybe, maybe you're like me, and sometimes you think, I'm not a very likely character to be used by God. I know this is a little bit random, but anybody in here ever seen the superhero movie Shazam? Okay, a couple people. I saw it on an airplane. I love the idea in this movie that a, a nobody middle school kid is trying to navigate the calling to be a superhero. Okay? Not a likely character. A kid who's in foster care and in a group home. And, but he has this, here's the best thing about superhero movies, is that a lot of times the people uh, that we know that, that are, are called uh, into, into the superhero role, they're called from outside of their own view of themselves and outside of their own abilities, and they're given abilities that are way beyond what they thought was really possible. I love that about superhero, uh, superhero movies. The worst thing about superhero movies is they're totally predictable. <laughs> Right? You don't get into it wondering really what's going to happen because you know it's going to happen, but it's the way they tell the story, and that's what draws us in. I want to ask you, how would a woman who had demons inside of her be viewed in our culture if we knew that Jesus had cast out demons from somebody? What would we think of her if she was sitting in this room today? Would we think that she's unstable? Would we ask her if she had her medication? or how her therapy was going, or what she was doing wrong to have that influence in her life, would we somehow think that it was all her fault? She's not a likely character. And if you don't believe me, remember the scripture that was read earlier, Luke 24. Andy read and ended at verse 11, and Andy, in picking that scripture out, had no idea I was going to refer to verse 11. But what happened at the end of that passage when Mary Magdalene and the other women went to tell the apostles, what happened? They didn't believe them. They thought it was an idle tale. And they didn't believe the testimony of the women. Stay with me. This isn't the only point that's going to happen this morning, but this is a point that needs to be made in our cultural moment. In our cultural moment and throughout history, women often are not believed. Often, they give testimony of harm and hurt that has come into their lives. And despite documented rates of less than 10% false accusations, they simply are not believed. This isn't just the police or detectives. This happens regularly in the church of Jesus Christ. God uses a lot of wonderful women in our lives as Christians. 
we can start by believing them and believing in them. It's a great challenge from the resurrection story, especially to the men in this room. Be ready to believe and to believe in our sisters in Jesus Christ. They're strong and they're precious and they're courageous and they're bold. And you may think we can all begin now to translate ourselves into this story. There's no way God can use you. Well, congratulations. I'm not a likely character either. In modern Christianity, the mega pastor, the outwardly polished people, the very educated, the authors, the great communicators, or super faithful saints are, are people who are likely. And God uses some of those. I praise God for people who, who seem likely to be used. But he saves and he gives gifts to all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds to do all kinds of amazing things for him. Unlikely characters who never get famous and have tremendous impact. It's God's glory. God's way. If we listen to the stories and we believe the testimony, we see that he will use us. He will use you. He's revealing himself in powerful and personal ways. All kinds of emotion and response. And, and even, uh, I, I think it's in here for Mary Magdalene and some of the women not to be believed because it prepares us as we go and we tell the story of Jesus that we will be rejected. Their courage prepares us for that response because there's going to be times when we, a lot of times when we share the faith with somebody and they don't want to believe it and we'll be rejected. And we get to see that in here. Well, if we have those fears, we shouldn't. And I think the character here speaks to us in a powerful way. So as we close today, I want to encourage you. One of the key things that the resurrection does is it increases our courage. It increases our boldness. If we put our faith in the risen Jesus who died for our sin and rose in victory over sin and death, then we truly have a life that is indestructible. It's not that we'll never die a human, an immortal death. We will. But our lives will be with him forever and ever. And that is the good news. If you've never made that commitment to follow Jesus, I encourage you, plead with you, make today the day you make that commitment, that you trust in him for the forgiveness of your sin, and you trust in him alone, and you turn away from that sin and say, I want you, Jesus, to be the king of my life. I don't want you to wait for a vaccine to increase your boldness in this life. Be encouraged. Share the faith. If you got to get on the phone and you're still a little bit uncomfortable around people, then get on the phone. Share with people. Send somebody a note of encouragement. I want to talk to you. Pray for people in your life who don't know. We get to be involved. We are commissioned to go and tell of Jesus who rose from the dead. Receive that this morning as joy, not as fear. See these examples of unlikely characters. And let's leave here today convinced that God can get glory in all sorts of ways, situations, individuals, and lives. The empty tomb today, the power over sin and death, the personal touch of Mary and many others before he ascended, his ongoing work in our lives, as always, God's glory, God's glory.